Father, this morning we come to you. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. Speak to us. For the entrance of your word brings light. And the first words you spoke in the beginning was, let there be light. Everyone who is being saved, everyone who's called your people, a royal nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, everyone who's called by that name are a people who came out of darkness into your marvelous light. I pray we are a people who dwell in that light and grow in that light. And have fellowship with God who is light. Speak to us today. Teach us today. Equip us today for the days that lie ahead. For when darkness comes, your word says, arise. Your light has come. Speak, Father. I submit myself to the authority of your word and your spirit. Let the anointing speak, the anointing walk. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So quickly recapping where we stopped last week. Not stopped, what we heard last week. Mark 11 and verse 22. That's the key. This is the master key. Understand. It doesn't matter what you are facing. I am facing now. There is a key which God has given. This is the key that opens everything else. Without this key, nothing works. Jesus said, the previous day he had a, a morning he had cursed the fig tree. And when they came back, they saw the fig tree had dried. And they said, Lord, the tree has dried. And his first response is, have faith in God. Okay? Everything else in the kingdom of God comes only through this. Comes through only this. You want grace? You need faith. You want peace? You need faith. You want joy? You need faith. You want love? It is shed abroad in your heart only through faith. You want success? It comes through faith. You want prosperity? It comes through faith. You want healing? It comes through faith. There is absolutely nothing in the kingdom of God that will come into our lives without faith. And there's only one way faith comes. The Bible is very clear. Faith comes from? Comes. It comes. It has to come. It comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. That's why we put the word of God up on the screen. Help you to Read. So Jesus said, have faith in God. So we looked at it. What does it mean to faith in God? What does it mean to faith in having a person? So we saw last Sunday, God says, God is not a man that he should lie. God is not the son of man that he should repent. That means change his mind. So important things, because why do we have faith primarily means trust, trusting somebody, here trusting God. Because we live in the land of the living human beings, we struggle with trusting God because men lie. 
They lie. They say one thing and they say, I didn't say it. They deny it. They lie. They change their mind. They don't keep their word. So all these things are there. Therefore, we struggle with trust. We all have an issue with trust because we're living in the land of fallen men. And we are all fallen men who have been saved by grace. So we have an issue with faith. So when Jesus comes and says, have faith in God, his entire life, you have to look at his life, his entire life was proof that you can trust God. Because God never failed him. Because he never failed God either. Have faith in God. So God is the person of absolute dependability. You can depend upon him. I don't like using terms like that with God, but you can bet on him. Man of, not man, person of integrity. Have faith in God. But if that alone is there, then if you look at First Peter chapter 2 to 4, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. So basically when we study the word of God, the first thing is knowledge. We need the knowledge of God. What kind of a person is this God? What kind of a person? Because if you look at all pagan religions, I'm not getting into the religions in India, it's safer to go to Egypt and Greece and Rome because they won't come after me. So if you go into their, into their gods and their stories and myths, you read all their stories. Their gods are crazy. You can't trust them. You can't trust them. Any of these gods in Europe, Africa, Egypt, you couldn't trust them at all. You, you don't know the Egyptian gods and their names and all. There is an Egyptian god, and I'm not mentioning their names because then you will go Google and learn and be still fascinated by that god. His brother cuts him into pieces. Then his wife has to find the pieces, put them together to bring him back. These are the gods of this world. How can you trust your brother? Knowing that the God did to his brother, so-called God. The Greek and Roman gods were terrible. Their wives could not trust them because you never know with whom he will run away with next. So you need to realize why people have an issue when God comes and says, trust God. Our God is different. Absolutely different. God of integrity. Not only that, I said there are people of integrity, but they have no power. But he's not only that, the Bible says his divine power has given us everything. His power. I'm not going into those verses. Go back and listen. If you didn't listen or if you forgot, look back. God says, we sing that song, Our Lord God, is anything too difficult for thee? Your arm created everything. God of integrity, God of absolute power. And through the word of God is the history of people who had encounters with God and what God did with each of these people, each of those people was the impossible. Was the impossible. If it is Noah, if it is Abraham, if it is Isaac, if it is Jacob, if it is Joseph, if it is Moses, all, Ajay, all these people, it was the impossible that he did. So God is saying, I'm not only a God of integrity, I'm a God of absolute power. Then the simple question comes is that God is a God of integrity. God is a God of absolute power. But why should he care for me? He tells Jacob, 
in terms of israel jacob jacob you worm but i just love you god is a god who loves worms and we are the worms he calls jacob a worm but he says i have loved you with an everlasting love so that is the motivation so he has integrity he has power and he has motivation therefore we can trust this god have faith in god have faith in god and then okay how do i receive from god the bible says he has given us everything that pertain to life and the godliness how through the knowledge of him that is why we study the word of god fundamental basic knowledge we come and verse 4 by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises and there we come in the word of god through the knowledge of god when god tells you something it's a promise when god speaks to you it's a promise you can stand on his promise it's a promise to stand on his promise the word of god in hebrews 6 and verse 12 says you need something that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises you need faith pastor vidhi would you just go downstairs a lot of people are just walking in and out i'm talking about the young people just go check sunday school how many of the young people are there why do they need so many young people in a sunday school Just check it out. There's a lot of young people. Just, I mean, this used to happen in schools and colleges. It happens in the church too. How many people do you need to teach in a Sunday school? I don't have five people standing here with me to teach you. So young people just disappear like that. Just check, and if they are not needed, send them up. Because you will regret missing the word. when the day of evil comes when that day comes we have the most powerful people in the world the most richest people in the world who have no clue what to do because they have been caught without the word at that day the only thing that will sustain you is the word if the spirit can bring into your remembrance so here listen faith and patience you need faith and you need patience because god is working out a mess we messed up we walked by sight we made decisions by sight all kind of junk we did so we messed up you know if you give a uh, uh, this cotton no, this wool what do you call that ball of wool to a kitten they love it kittens love it after some time you cannot untangle it that's our life So God gives you a promise on February the sixth, and you say, "Yeah, Lord, it's going to come to pass on seventh." God says, "Wait, you were the kitten who tangled up your life. Let me untangle it up before it can come through faith and believe." But wait, not only you—you were not the lone kitten. You were many kittens together. so your life are all intertwined it is a mess if i were to fulfill in your life alone your brothers will kill you joseph had many brothers and the promise put him in their crosshairs so you need patience 
you need faith. If you, if you go back home and read the subsequent promise, uh, subsequent verses, it is talking about Abraham as an example. God gave him an example. So he had faith. He had patience. He also had endurance. So you need endurance. You need to endure through the process until it comes to pass because we have an awesome promise. Faith, patience, and endurance. So here we are on a Sunday morning, first Sunday morning, and so therefore God says, grow. Grow in grace. Grow in the knowledge of God. We need the knowledge of God. It's not enough. We have to keep on growing in the knowledge of God. And in Jude 1.20, he will say, build yourself also in the most holy faith. Your faith is not ordinary. If faith is from God, it's given by God. Its faith is from God. It is holy. It is holy. Most holy faith. And praying in the, and not and, there's no and over there. Praying in the Holy Spirit. So my interpretation is that one of the ways you build up your holy faith is by hearing the word of God. Another way you can build up your faith is by praying in the Spirit. You build up your faith. I understand now many mysteries of Paul, why he was a man of unbelievable faith, because he says, I pray in the spirit more than all of you. No wonder he was strong. Okay. So ultimately, let me tell you, ultimately in life, ultimately, you have to look at the end of your life. Once in a while, go with Shravan, go visit a morgue. He knows where they are. I don't know. He has access. Go with him. See some dead bodies and look at it and says, one day I too will be like this. And where will I be? Where will I be? And if I'm on the right side, what will I be there? It's good to see accidents. It's good to see dead bodies because that's where we are all going. It's where we are all going. We're all on the same road. It's appointed unto man. Every man to die once. And after that is Mukavala judgment. Oh Lord, have mercy on us. And you will realize, that is the day you will realize only two things mattered on earth. Galatians 5, 6. Only two things mattered on earth. For in Christ Jesus, if you are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Your outward, inward, religious, nothing matters. Only two things. Faith, working through love. Faith and love. Not even hope. Hope is in the future. When you stand before God, there is no need for hope. You know your reality. Faith and love. Remember, both are from God. There's something about this both. Faith and love. Something about this both. Whether it is in the world or whether it is in the kingdom. Both faith and love is primarily in the heart. And then you build it up in your mind. Whether it is in the world or whether it is in the kingdom. If you believe in your heart. Love God with all your heart. First, it is a heart. That's a problem. You see, you don't have those experiences. When you meet young people, okay, 
I've had this experience for donkey's years. Okay. A boy, who believing boy who wants to marry an unbelieving girl or an unbelieving girl who wants a believing girl. You talk to them. You listen to them and you realize there's no point counseling. Because it has gone into the heart and they are blinded. You show them scripture and scripture and scripture and scripture. But, but, I, I believe he will be saved. Does the Bible say that? No. Does he have a job? No. But I believe he will support me. Okay. You tell them anything. They will counter it with, from the heart. And there is no point talking to them. In the kingdom also it works that way. You believe with your heart. And then the enemy brings all these doubts. You tell the enemy, but I believe he's true. I believe he will not let go of me. So it works both ways. Faith also is the same thing. I trust him. Tell me why you trust him. I don't know. I just trust him. You see, faith and love is from the heart. So God says, you know what? Everybody will let you down in the heart and in faith. But I will not. So he says, give me your heart. It's very safe. You will never say in eternity, I broke your heart. You will only say, I healed your heart. I mended your heart. I kept it safe. So both your heart, when it comes to love... And your heart comes into faith. It's safe with God. Safe with God. Get this picture, it's right. Okay. So our hearts and our mind, after that comes the mind. These have to be guarded by love for God and faith towards God. If we are not, we are already being deceived. And please understand, this is prophetic words in scripture, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is our expectation, is coming sooner than we think. And our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He says, don't be troubled. How it, what is one of the signs is verse three. Let no one deceive by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. First something has to happen. What is the first thing that will happen? People will fall away from faith in the church. It's not talking about the world. Fall away from faith. Fall away from faith. It doesn't mean they don't call themselves Christians. It does not mean they don't go to church, but they have fallen away from faith. Like yesterday's Q&A, let's go over there, Revelation 13, 16, and 17. We had interesting questions coming in from everywhere, and we had the answers. He causes all, this is the Antichrist, the beast, okay? All, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. There are two things over here. One is the mark, 
the mark can be different things, different ways. And the beast. The beast is the system that controls and the mark is what you take. Okay? Now that's the day coming. Actual day is coming. But the day suddenly can't come unless the foundation is laid. Only the kingdom of God can suddenly come. The kingdom of the devil cannot, the Antichrist kingdom cannot come unless foundation is laid. Because like I said last night, the devil is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not everywhere. He doesn't have all the power. He doesn't know everything. Therefore, he needs man. He needs demons. He needs technology. He needs it all to control. So a groundwork is being done and it is being laid. And we saw in the last two years how quickly it was laid. Because we look again. Now we are looking at in terms of generic. Okay? What? Is the mark. It will be an actual mark. I believe it will be an actual mark. But generic in the Bible, mark means sin. And the beast means the authoritarian government, the system. Now, if you look, if you look at the latest polls that come in from the Christian world, almost 93% of Christians don't believe this is the word of God. Therefore, they have already taken the mark in their minds. They have already taken the mark in their minds. The word of God means nothing to most Christians. Let us be honest about it. Even many people sitting over here, if they were to tell, be honest before God, lift up your hands to read the Bible regularly, pray regularly, you will be shocked at the numbers who don't do it. So basically, you have already been deceived. You have taken the mark in your mind. Now we're waiting for the day the mark will come upon your body. Because the mind goes first. Body doesn't go first. The mind of the people have to be prepared before the body will accept it. Your mind came here first before your body came. Okay? So the mind is being prepared for the mark and the system. And what is the threat? You will not buy or sell. I cannot buy or I cannot sell. I was telling yesterday. Yeah, can you put that off? Do you need the fan? Okay. <clears throat> Let us say, Brother Peter is sitting over here. Let us say he's an IT professional. He works for, let us say, Infosys. Okay, Why does Infosys hire him? Because he's got something to sell. If he doesn't have that to sell, they won't buy him. They are buying his services. They're not buying the person, but a certain period of his time, during the week, during the month, they're buying something which he has to sell. In return, they pay him a salary, whatever it is. So, if you look in the past two years, and it has come down around the world, no vaccination, no job. You do what we tell you to do. You can't buy, you can't sell, no job. You can't get into public places. You cannot get into public transport. You cannot go into supermarkets. You cannot go into restaurants. You cannot go into theaters. No mark. No buying and selling. Groundwork is being laid. I told you yesterday, 7.2 billion people on planet Earth. 5.4 billion people have been vaccinated. Without actually no proof that it really works. How were they vaccinated? By threats, not willingly. So the groundwork is being laid. People have already accepted in their mind. I cannot buy or sell unless the system tells me what to do. 
And in the Western nations, so-called free Christian Western nations like America and Canada, now if you do not, if you are an anti-waxer, you are termed a domestic terrorist. They're labeling you. You don't take a vaccination. You are a domestic terrorist. Interesting news that came in yesterday. You know what? The government in the U.S. has a database of all who are vaccinated and therefore all who are not vaccinated. And they are keeping the database of all those who are not vaccinated so that when you apply for jobs, you will be rejected. This is not allowed in free nations because it's your personal liberty they are intruding into. So understand, we are living in those times. A groundwork is being laid. What is my defense against all this? Your word, O Lord. Without faith, you will not come through. So people have already accepted the mark. Sin normalized. Sin is normal. It is okay. Gay bishops, transgender. I'm talking about in the church. In the world, I care two hoots about what happens in the world. My concern is only what happens in the church. Everything has been normalized. So sin, the mark, has been taken in your mind. And we will buy and sell as they say. Can you go to school if you don't have vaccination? No. Can you go to college if you don't have vaccination? No. So education has been determined. If you don't have a mark, we won't even teach you. Now, I'm not talking about vaccination. I'm talking about what is happening behind it. How something has been taken and used and manipulated by forces behind to control us. We are living in dangerous days and dangerous times. And you know what happens? The people in the church are falling away in their tens and their thousands in the mind fast. Because they are preparing the ground for the end. Because we pray, thy kingdom come. God says, but my kingdom cannot come before his kingdom comes. The duplicate fellows. Right? Revelation, if you go over there, Revelation 11 and verse 15, then the seventh angel sounded. So one, two, three, four, five, six angels are be- go before. And during the first six angels, the Antichrist reign is going on. It's when the seventh angel sounds, there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign. So it is not coming before the kingdom of the Antichrist. The Antichrist kingdom comes first. Then the kingdom of the Lord comes. The question is, when his kingdom comes, where will we be? How will we handle? How do we handle this deception? Because God says it very clearly. A deception, a a falling away will take place. And he's not talking about the people in the world. Because if you are not standing, you cannot fall. So it's talking about the people within the church body who are falling, literally falling. That's what I said even last Sunday. You may be in church. It's irrelevant. Are you in Christ? That's not the point whether you are in church. Are you in Christ? Because if you are in Christ, there are fundamental things that happen to you that proves to you, not to God. God has no doubt. To you, whether you are in Christ or not. So last week we saw about Christ. 
Now let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 5, 31, 32. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one. And say, Pastor, where did you go to where? Where did we come here? Because this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. I'm talking about Christ and the church. As the husband and the wife are one, Christ and the church are one. So understand who Christ is and who she is. In Revelation 19, we have a picture of the wife. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So there is a wife God has on earth, a church unseen, and she is getting ready. The question is not whether she is getting ready, the question is whether we are part of that church or not. That's the only question. Whether I'm part of that bride that is getting herself ready for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Her mind is in heaven. She knows her bridegroom is coming. She knows he is faithful. She knows he said, I will come. She said, these are the signs I give you. She's busy reading the signs. And she unravels the signs and she's getting more and more excited. Because she knows her bridegroom is coming. And we saw the bridegroom. We saw the sevenfold blessings or glory of that bridegroom on last Sunday. We saw in 512. Revelation saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Sevenfold. This is Jesus. So the wife also has to have all this because they are one. Now let me come. This. There's something that is eternal. There is something that is temperate. There is a riches that is temporal. There is a riches that is eternal. So you have to be very sure what is the nature of my riches. God talks about storing riches in heaven. So that means when I am on earth, I can store riches in heaven. So my riches I put in heaven is eternal. I carry it across to the other side. So there is temporal and eternal. The problem is, what is offered over here, sevenfold blessings, which is the Christ, which will become the brides, is the same thing which the devil also offers. He offers the same. How do you distinguish between these two? That is how he deceives. Go to Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 8. Now this is not happening with us. It happens with us every day, but this is happening with Jesus himself. So the devil is not fooling Jesus. The devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Last week, we, he's not showing him all the kingdoms of the earth. No, the earth and the fullness belongs to God. He's showing the world system which he has created. He has power over that. The earth is one thing, the world is one thing. We are all living on earth, but we are living in the world created by man. Everything that we see around is a system created by man. So he showed him in a moment of time, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Listen to what he said. The devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. So the devil can give you power. The devil can give you riches. The devil can give you strength. He can give you glory. He can give you honor. He can give you blessings. And that is what the world runs after and most of the church runs after without they don't realize the source. He can duplicate it. 
What does he want? He says, if you will worship, all I want is your worship. What does he want? You worship. Do you remember what is the first commandment? Thou shall have no other. It's for worship. The devil says, ignore that. Worship me. And he comes in so many different ways. And without realizing, we have idols which we worship. And that idol is that brings us power. That idol is that brings us glory. That idol is that brings us our honor. Anybody touches that idol, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. That is your idol. And that's your source of your worship. What is he basically after? He's basically after the same thing God is after. What is God after? My soul. He's a lover of my soul. What is the devil after? Your soul. Now look to what Jesus says. What profit is it to a man he gains the whole world? You can gain the whole world. The devil can give it to you. Because when the Antichrist comes and he rules over the whole world, he gives it to one man. He will possess one man. He will give it to one man. So in whatever your world is, he can give it to you. But, and, loses his soul. The price tag is this. I want your soul. You tell me what you want in this world. I will give it to you. I'll give, exchange your soul. Exchange is your soul. Salvation is the salvation of your soul. Look at all the celebrities. What did they exchange for what they got? Their soul. That's why they commit suicide. Billionaires committing suicide. Mega stars committing suicide. Miserable, wretched people they are if you meet them personally. What did they sell? Or what they got? Their soul. Look at the next words, what Jesus says. I will say, this is a rich fool. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and marry. And God said to him, fool, this night, your soul. Your soul. So understand this. Don't get fooled. The devil has all the duplicates. But remember, it is temporal. But all power, all riches, all wisdom, all strength, all of it belongs to God. So there is this principle. How do I navigate through this minefield, receive what is original, and reject the duplicate? Because we need... Oh, a lot of people have looked at it and said, Lord, I don't want any of these things because by mistake... No, you cannot survive without what God has to give you. Just because there is duplicate, that actually means there is an original. The devil never duplicates anything which is not of value in the God's kingdom. Oh, I go to all these temples and all I hear them speaking in tongues because there is something original on this side. Oh, because that is there, I don't want tongues. Oh, you will not grow strong in your faith. You will not edify yourself. When the day of evil comes, you will crumble. Because there is an original, he duplicates it. Because the devil has never created anything. He's a thief. He steals. He imitates. So how do you protect yourself? Principle. First Timothy chapter 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. 
godliness with contentment. How many of you are content today? Don't show your hands and fool yourself. Content. Content. This is one package for a believer. It should be. Godliness and contentment should go together. Look at verse 7. That's a liberating verse. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Absolutely certain. Next verse. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. We shall. It's a choice. You shall be content. And is there anybody who did not eat today? I know people open their wardrobe and say I have nothing to wear. But that's not what the Bible is talking about. Not what the Bible is talking about. We have food, we have clothing. But are you happy? Are you content? If you look at what God has done, he has never failed us. Never failed us. We always had food. We always had clothing. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Into many foolish, harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Why? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There's a principle here. Okay? There is a principle here. Please get the principle very, very clearly. It is not money. It is the love of money. It is not power. It's the love of power. It's not strength. It's the love of strength. You know what the word love is here? It is eros. It is eros. It is lust. Once that lust gets in, you have to be delivered. So what the devil offers you is the lust for these things. When God says, love not the world or the things. So once that has caught you, you are trapped. You need deliverance. Nothing else will work. You need to be delivered. You need to be delivered. So you need to realize when the Bible is talking about, because God offers love, the devil offers lust. They look almost similar, but lust is very powerful when it lasts. It's a duplicate. It's crazy. So if you go to verse 7, it's the, the deliverance is in verse 7. We want all these things. But Lord, how do I protect myself? Because I don't want to end up in empty hands before you when I stand. Because my rewards are connected with a lot of things. So if I don't have power, how do I do anything for you? If I don't have riches, how do I do anything? A poor man has done nothing for God. What can you do for God? You need to be rich in something, right? So how do I guard myself? This is the key. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. What is the principle behind? The principle behind life of God is that we own nothing. We only are stewards. Get that in mind. You and I own nothing, not even our bodies. He bought it with a price. Our bodies don't belong to us after we are saved. We are stewards. We are not owners. Listen to yesterday's yesterday's Q&A. You'll get a much more detailed reply because somebody who is a billionaire 
sent a question from a country I'm not mentioning. A billionaire crazy about possessions. I believe it's an older person now, but then when was praying, the Lord gave that person Matthew 19.21, if I'm right, 19.21 was given to that person. What does it say? Matthew, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Shocked, got saved, listens to the message, got saved, is a billionaire, but is crazy, possessed by their possessions. And then you ask God, God says, way out. You own nothing. You hold things by faith in stewardship. How do you know? How do you know you are an owner or a steward? Go to Job chapter 1, the book of Job 20. And then Job arose. When did he rise? When he heard he lost all his property, all his wealth, and all his children. Everything in one day. He lost everything. Shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped. When you lose what you consider valuable in your life, your reaction will tell you whether you are the owner or the steward. That's what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What is saying? He owns them. He gave. He took. I had seven children. He gave. He took. That's why I said very, very carefully about these things. You have to be very, very careful. We own nothing. We don't own our spouses. We don't own our children. We don't even own ourselves. But God says, come and surrender daily. Whenever in your mind ownership is established, when things don't happen your way, you get angry. That's when you get offended. Because you think, that belongs to me. God says, no, you're just a steward. You are just a steward. So you know what? Satan comes in and injects lust. And soon our possessions possess us. Power possesses us. First thing you mentioned is power, right? Now think about it. Think for a minute, okay? There is this fellow who lost his father's donkey. And while he was going looking for the donkey, the word of the Lord comes, the prophet comes, and his anointed has king. Did he deserve it? Did he work for it? Was he born in a royal family? No. God gave. But when God took it away, he went after David to kill. Because now power possessed him. Are you getting the picture? Power possessed that is when that thing possesses you, then you are dominating, controlling the narrative. You won't listen to anybody, not even God. Look at another picture. Absalom took the throne. David is running out of the city. And when he's running out of the city, Abhyadra takes the ark. What does he say? Take the ark back. Take the ark back. Ark will never move out of Jerusalem. 
keep the ark over there. If the Lord wants me to return, he will do it. If he doesn't, it's okay with me. I will not be possessed by power. I am possessed by God and not by power. Can be possessed. Possessed. That is how controlling comes. Control. We are stewards of our spouses, not possessors. We are stewards of our children. Bible says children are a heritage from God. He gave it, he can take it. He can use them for, the only time people give the child over is during dedication. After that, they take them back. They never really release the children. That is why before Abraham can be perfected in righteousness is one final thing. Take your son, your only son, and put him on the altar. Then we will know whether you are honor or a steward. Then comes the blessing. When he proves to God, I am just a steward. This son is yours. You want to take him? It's good with me. Get these fundamental pictures because we need what is real. The devil offers the duplicate and that destroys people. Okay. God is a worker. Jesus said, my father and I are at work from the beginning. Adam was put to work, so we all work. But some people don't work. Work possesses them. They are workaholics. They are workaholics. Work possesses them. Jesus took breaks. He slept. He took his disciples for a picnic. He did all that. But these people can't take a break because they don't work. Work possesses them. So you need to realize. You need to realize. A lot of things are there. Education possesses the minds of Indian parents. Not the children. You leave them alone, they will not study. We need to be educated. None of these things needs to possess us. None of these things should possess us. The only thing that possesses us if I want to use that term, should be God. Lord, I belong to you. I take my hands of everything. I am a steward. I am not an honor. Riches possesses. The rich young ruler walked away sadly. What is the point of keeping all the commandments, yet this mammon possesses you? Jesus looked at him sadly and he loved him. He says one thing, you are possessed by your obsession of money. You're possessed. As long as that possesses you, I cannot have your heart. Because no man can serve two masters. You know, so many of us, really, really, our struggle is not with God. Our struggle is with idols. That's why very few people actually serve God. Very few people actually serve God. You know why? Because you're possessed by something. You're possessed by something. If you have nothing to possess, then you are possessed by worry. Wisdom. Please understand. Wisdom. (laughs) Don't let wisdom possess you. You should possess wisdom as an attribute of God. Not the other wisdom. Look at Ecclesiastic chapter 2 verse 10 and 11. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. What then? 
I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor with which I had toiled and indeed all was vanity and grasping for wind and there was no profit under the sun. You have to look at the list. You know what the list was? Wisdom, pleasure, construction projects, possessions. He went after it all. And at the end he says, you know what? I am empty because these things possessed me. He lives and dies an old, miserable man. So one thing he didn't allow after a point was God to have him. He allowed everything else to have him. So please understand, all these things are there. Sevenfold blessings are there for the wife, the bride of Christ. But no, you use them. You don't misuse them. You don't abuse them. So we need wisdom. That is from God. We need to possess it as stewards, not as honors. We are not honors. We own nothing. We own nothing. Only God owns. So we need knowledge. We need knowledge. Roma, that's where it all begins. Grace and peace be multiplied. How? Through the knowledge of God and our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. That is how the epistle begins of Peter. Ends. Grow in grace. And knowledge. So it all begins with knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge is basically a gathering of facts. That's what you do in school. Secular knowledge. We are not talking about secular knowledge over here. We are talking about spiritual knowledge. What is knowledge? Gathering the facts about the creator. How does he do things? Gathering the facts of the creator is knowledge. And then you have understanding. What is understanding? Understanding is the application of it. Now you take the knowledge and you apply. Knowledge is in the theory class. Understanding is in the lab. There you understand. how. What is wisdom? Wisdom is when you are able to take the knowledge and the understanding and put it in a large scale, where every time you are able to reproduce the same result. Let me give you an example. Okay, One sister sitting over here, and Peter sitting over here. I give you flour, I give you oil, I give you cooking butter, I give you a few cakes and a few, I'm sorry, a few eggs and a few nuts to you. What will Peter do with it? He will eat the eggs and the nuts and throw the rest away. But if you give it to another sister over here, she will make a cake. The knowledge was the same, but the difference was the understanding was different. He did not have the understanding how to put the facts together and create a cake. Now, probably if I tell the sister here, or child rather, not a sister. Okay, sorry, okay. Uh, I want you to bake a cake for cakes for 2,000 people. She will say, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'll supply all the flour. No, I can't do it. But if you tell Stanley, 2,000, no problem. Why? Because he not only has knowledge, not only does he have understanding, he has the wisdom of replicating it a thousand times at different situations, different needs.
Are you getting it? There's knowledge. There's understanding. There is wisdom. I'm trying to put it across to young people who will understand in whatever ways. You will understand how it works. And then there is something else called a revelation. Revelation is the spiritual secret behind it. Let us say Peter ate the eggs and the nuts. He fell sick. We ate the cake this child made and we fell sick. Stanley made these cakes for the wedding. Everybody fell sick. They had understanding, they had wisdom, the knowledge. There was a spiritual thing. There is a blessing over the bread and the waters that takes the sickness away. That is spiritual. That is spiritual. That is spiritual. So imagine one of them, while they are making it, they hear in the spirit, pray over it and bless it. Sanctify it. Because on the other side, the enemy is planning anything, something to mess your name up. If you don't do that, this is the end of your business. Revelation. Keep that in mind. Revelation. Revelation is the one that gives us ultimately the edge. And all things are equal. All things are equal. Three friends of Daniel and Daniel. All things are equal, all four. But Daniel has an edge. He's got a gift that gives him revelation. So remember this. I will restore to you the ears the locusts have given. In the last days I will pour out my spirit. You shall prophesy. You shall see dreams. You shall see visions. You know what these three are? The All three are revelation. That's not knowledge. That's not wisdom. That's not understanding. That is revelation. That gives you the edge in the battle we are fighting. Battle. That will tell you what is from God and what is not from God. When all things are equal, ultimately you need something else to make sure. So faith touches every part of your being. So this is where you bring faith into everything. It touches everything of your being, the entire whole person. Let let me get into some tough parts about how faith applies. We will go to the master. The master is Jesus, the original owner. Look at what Hebrews 10 and verse 5 says about Jesus. Read for me. Uh -uh. What, What was prepared? So he had a prepared body. Is your body prepared to serve God? As long as you live? As long as you live, people constantly, I'm tired. Doing what? Doing what are you tired? Serving God? So he had a prepared body. A body. Because without the body, everything else doesn't work. Your mind is useless, everything. Can your body serve God till the last day of your life? It's not an ordinary body. It's a prepared body. So there is a preparation of the body. The seasons of ignorance God overlooks. But after that, are you working on it? What you eat? What you drink? How you live your life? Using every weapon that has God has given it to fight a disease? Okay, you fall ill, you fight it with medicines, but more than that, you fight it spiritually every day. You know why? Because I want my body to be prepared to serve God. Body. 
You know, a lot of people, when the day and the hour of their greatest using by God actually comes, the body doesn't cooperate. The body doesn't cooperate. But Jesus' body cooperated all the way to the cross. On the cross, he's hanging through the most brutal punishment the human body can take. Not even moved. He's forgiving the enemies. He's saving a thief. He's taking care of his mother and his before he dies. He's doing it all. Because a body I prepared. So let us come to the bractacks. Are we applying our faith into every area? Every area. There are many things that the body does. The body needs rest. The body doesn't need much sleep. It needs rest. The problem is we confuse one with the other. We think sleep is rest. The Bible never says he gives his beloved sleep. He says he gives his beloved rest. Are you tired already? I woke before my normal schedule today. No alarm, nothing. I was up by three in the morning. It's already eight hours. Are you tired? Are you tired? How do you get up from your bed? You know, I will. how I got up this morning, how I get up in the morning. I get up in the morning and my first words are, let's go, Lord. Let's go. It's ready. And I'm probably the most, one of the most oldest person in the church. Not the youngest. And I'm telling you young people, I can give you a run for your money. I can preach for 12 hours without a stop if I have to go on missions. I can climb mountains. I can eat junk and not fall ill. Because that's when you are tested, your body will stand it or not. You know why? Because in this mind, I've been preparing for years, Lord. When that hour comes, let not my body fail you. People say I'm very finicky about what I eat. You know why I'm finicky about what I eat? It's a body you have prepared for me. You learn it all from the scripture. That's the road he has shown. That's the road we follow. Body for the Lord. The Lord for the body. Stomach for the food. Food for the stomach. Both will be destroyed. Why are you so obsessed with the things that will be destroyed? Body. Body. You see, so many people, your bodies are, are okay, but you're oppressed in the mind. See, for the body, if you're, you're oppressed in the body, it's very easy, I can cast them out. But you're oppressed in the mind, you have to believe. I have to preach, that's all I can do, because the word of God says, we preach deliverance. That you have to receive. The oppression of the mind is worse than the oppression of the body. Oppression of the mind. And you need to ask yourself, how come there is no zeal? How come there is no fire for prayer? How come there is no hunger for the word of God? How come there is no hunger for the things of God? You know why? The mind has been taken over. And you still believe we are going to get raptured. There are so many things about Jesus we need to look. I didn't give it to you, but look to and verse 52 about Jesus. 
his body, his mind, everything is written. His body, his mind, it says. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. So you have to keep increasing. If Jesus increased, we also have to increase. You cannot have a status quo in any of these things. We have to keep on increasing in knowledge, in understanding, in wisdom and in stature. He kept on growing. Kept on growing. And another thing is written. He increased in favor with God. Have we increased in favor with God? Are we increasing in favor with man? That's another thing. With man. You know you can favor with have God. And have no favor with man. And nothing happens in your life. Because everything God has done in human history. In the lives of people is through men. So you don't need favor with all men. You need favor with certain men. Otherwise nothing will happen. All the blessings of God is stuck because you don't have favor with men. I'm talking about people who work in the secular realm. When I was a young rookie, when I took my first job at 22 or 23 years old, my boss loved me. I had favor. So I had favor. So I had privileges which others didn't have. Favor. With man. You need favor with man. If you're working in an office or a school, whatever institution you're working, if you want, leave. You need favor. When the same person says, no, 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 everybody, when you come in, say, okay, sir, you go. My second job was in Hyderabad as an editor with Orion Longman. You know what? I had all these colleagues all joined at the same time. I mean from IFLU, HCU, JNU, all of them. They were all put under 15 different bosses. And I am with independent charge under the publisher. Priya Dharkar, she passed away. I still remember my boss. And she would say, James, finish your work, you can go home. Just do it, that's all. Absolutely no tension because I had favor with the boss, a Marathi lady. Favor. I didn't work there long because I came into full-time ministry. My third boss in the secular realm, when I entered his office, he stands up. When I need leave, he tells, Sir, you write in the attendance letter, in the register, you should write without pay. But I am the one who will see you get your pay. You go home. And come back because I see how you work. That's called favor. Favor. Joseph not only had favor with God, he had favor with his father. He had favor with Potiphar. He had favor with the warden. And he had favor with the Pharaoh. That's all you need in life. A lot of people are struggling. And Lord, I have favor with you. Do you have favor with man? We need favor. We need favor. This is all part of understanding how the kingdom of God works. So your prayer should change. That's why we pray over our children all the time. Let them grow in stature, wisdom, favor with God, favor with man. So Jesus grew. If Jesus grew, can't we also grow? Shouldn't we also grow? We have to grow in these things. And there is a promise that you can grow in these things because his own son was put on the same road for our sake. Turn to Hebrews 10 and verse 7. 
And I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Then comes the soul. In the soul we saw Jesus grew in wisdom. That's your mind. But the strong part of your soul is your will. You know what he said? I have come to do your will. Whose will have you come to do? Did you see what's happening over there with him? His body you have prepared. He's handling it. My mind is growing in wisdom. And my will is completely surrendered to you. That is where you bring faith in. You bring faith in. You say, Lord, you know what? I surrender my will. In the volume of the book, it is written. See, in the volume of the book, it is written about all of us. Because it's the same book, one body, Jesus' body. Everybody it's written. Why don't we discover? Because we will not surrender our will. One of the simple reasons people go through life without finding the purpose of God, the actual purpose of God in their life, is because they don't surrender their will. And the son comes and says, Father, in the volume of the book it is written for me, and you know why I have come? I have come to live a blast. No. To do my thing. No, he says to do your will. And God says, I will reveal it to you. No problem. I will reveal it to you. Try it. Practice it every day. And a point will come in your time, God will take you seriously because you are serious with God. Till then it was words. It hasn't reached your heart yet. But when it happens, you are at rest. Because now, you not only know why you were born, why you were saved, you also know what he wants you to do. A life has purpose. It has purpose. These things matter, children. These things matter. These things matter. And there is a problem. Let me tell you the problem. The problem is this. Everything begins with knowledge. Right? Not wisdom. First knowledge. Then comes understanding. Then comes wisdom. Then comes revelation. The problem is with knowledge. The first step, Proverbs 1, verse 7, it is locked. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know why people do not have knowledge of God? Because they don't fear God. If you really feared God, this is not going to be your actual life. I'm not telling, I'm just telling generically, I'm not picking on anybody. But if you really were to ask me, Pastor, what do you say about your church? How many people in the church you really think have the fear of God? I would say three, maximum four. Consistent fear of God. I'm not talking about on and off fear of God. Consistent fear of God. That is the key. You want knowledge? Then you need to understand there is something called the fear of God. Not the fear of man. The fear of God. Because without the knowledge of God, we are doomed. Because eternity is about the knowledge of God. Preparing for the Lord's coming is the knowledge of God. Everything is connected with that knowledge. Grow in grace. Grow in the knowledge of God. There are keys in the Bible. There are keys in the Bible. And this is the key that locks up everything. What is the beginning? It's the fear of God. Look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. The sevenfold spirit on you. We know it. Being familiar with scripture doesn't mean that we understand it. 
Okay, please understand this. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And the son of God who understands narrows down to this last one and says, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, all these rest work for him consistently from the beginning till the end. It's not on and off. Consistently everything else is working for him because he knows the key. The key is he delights in the fear of God. The Bible says he was tempted at all points yet without sin. Why? Because he delighted in the fear of God. The love of God makes you serve him. It's the fear of God that stops you from sinning against him. And that's what, after giving the Ten Commandments, Moses told children of Israel, do not be afraid when you see the thunder, lightning and all, do not be afraid. The fear of the Lord shall come upon you and it shall keep you from sinning. Because we don't, we want a consistent, after some point in your life, you should have reached consistency. It's like kneading the dough. You knead the dough, you knead the dough, you put your hand in sticks, you knead the dough. And one point is stick, nothing sticks. You know the dough is ready. You know the dove is ready. So our life is basically like that. It's sticking, it's sticking, it's sticking, it's sticking, it's sticking. And at one point, it doesn't stick anymore. You know, you have become consistent. You have become consistent. These are the secrets of the kingdom. They are not secrets, meaning they cannot be found out. It is there. You search, you will find. Proverbs 8 and verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Before you stop doing evil, you have to start hating it. So, we're not talking about the action now. We're talking about the attitude. You have to hate evil. You have to hate pride. You have to hate arrogance. You have to hate the evil way. And you have to hate the perverse mouth. You have to hate. And you have to ask by faith, Lord, cause me to hate these things. Cause me to hate these things. That's the fear of the Lord. Hate. It's a very strong word, but it should be used with certain things which God hates. What you hate, I hate. Go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Jesus Christ. To the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, unrighteousness. You loved one thing, you hated the other thing. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. How? With the oil of gladness more than your companions. The happiest man who ever walked on earth was Jesus. You know why? Because he hated the things his father hated and loved the things that God loved. What is that called? The fear of God. The fear of God. That is something you receive by faith. You ask God every day, Lord, let that increase in me. Let that increase in me. Let that increase in me, Lord. I receive it, Lord, by faith. All these things happen by faith. First, you have to have a knowledge of something. Then an understanding of something. But you can only receive it only by faith. And by faith we go 
and to God and ask Lord. I understand. These are the valuable things in your kingdom and in eternity. I want those things. The devil offers you temporal things which takes you to misery and to death and destruction. God offers you certain things which are painful in the beginning but will bring you eternal rewards and by faith in your prayer life you have to go and ask. Why is this so? Because the last days will be compromised. Why? Because it's no fear of God. Why is the mark? Because there is fear of man. There is fear of the enemy, the fear of losing, the fear of all these things, except the fear of God. So what will cause you to stand in the last days and not take the mark? It is the fear of God. It is the fear of God. The last days church is Laodicea. Read the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Let me tell you something. The church in Ephesus, the first church, was established by Apostle Paul. God established through him. The book of Revelation was written by John, the apostle, in the island of Patmos. He did not die in the island of Patmos. He was released. He came back and he became the pastor or the leader of the church in Ephesus. If you have to read church history, one of the early church fathers have said that he was the leader of the church in Ephesus. So when in Patmos, when he's writing the letter to Ephesus, it was not for Ephesus. It was for us. It was not for them. None of the seven letters were written to them. They were written to us upon whom the end of ages has come. So if it is the end of end of ages, which church do you think we are hanging around? It is Laodicea, where Christ is out and the mark is ready. Once we understand these things, you know what? We need to fight. Lord, there is Philadelphia, there is Laodicea. Have mercy on me, Lord. Let me be part of Philadelphia and not Laodicea. Laodicea has no fire, no zeal. All outward, nothing inward. Lord himself is outside. Promise is given to them too. Please understand these things. When God says, my just shall live by faith, then faith is a way of thinking. Why? Look at Proverbs uh, 23 and, uh, isn't I give you 23? 23, 7, yeah. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so not he will be. You will not be. You are what you think. Why are you not interested in God? Because that is what you are. Because that's how you think. Why are you excited every time a new Telugu movie is released? Because that is what you are. That is what you are. We need to realize why is that we are not able to receive things from God. I will give you examples. I'm not degrading anybody. I'm taking facts of life. You see these Ottawalas. Ottawalas are good because my savior was a carpenter. But if you listen to their music, you know their music is much sound and fury signifying nothing. Right? Then you see a young man 
driving a Maruti Hexa or whatever. One of those SUVs. You listen, he's also playing the same music. So what's the difference between two? The mind is the same, the body is different. Mind is the same. This fellow is driving a SUV, that fellow is driving an auto. Nothing has changed. The mind is the same. Because I see that always in front of my house, these SUVs will go, are they playing the same music? I look at the young man and says, you know what? You received something which you don't deserve. Because your mind hasn't grown. God wants us to give things. Has our mind grown to receive it? Because as a man thinketh, so is he. Has our mind grown? That's why the Bible says, grow in knowledge. There will come understanding and wisdom and revelation. And revelation works. Are we growing? I told you we are stewards. Get a 21st century young person. Give him or a him or a her iPhone. 45,000, 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 iPhone. Six days later, we'll say, Mommy, screen broken. <laughs> Why? Because he didn't deserve it. His mind did not ever was ready to own something like that. Because they're not stewards. Could give you examples. Clothes, vehicles. Why does your vehicle look like it went to the dentist because it's full of dents? No way. Because you're not a good steward. Your mind. Your mind. Little things matter. Mind was not ready to receive it from God. Told you everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And God is watching. We act as if we are honors. I own nothing. I own nothing. Nothing in my life I own. It is a fact. If you and I own anything, then check your cops whether you are taking something with you. Even if you hide it in your coffin, somebody else will dig and steal it. When I die, I want this wrapped in this pattu sari. Okay. Pattu sari. Two weeks later after death, the grave digger's wife is wearing it. I'm not telling you jokes. I'm telling you truth. Don't waste all your stuff on that. You take nothing. We own nothing. What are we? Stewards. See, the problem is the body will manifest in time. But the mind goes ahead. Did we apply faith into all this? Right? We looked at power. We looked at riches. What about wisdom? 
James 1, 5. The third thing is wisdom, right? What about wisdom? James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. When did you ask? When did you consistently ask God for wisdom? So what you have is secular knowledge. When did you consist? God says ask. He says you do not have because you do not ask. Did you ask? Because the only thing you actually need to survive what is happening in any age is the wisdom of God. God says if you lack wisdom, ask. And he gives liberally without reproach. Only one condition. Let him ask him. So faith is brought there also. Abba, please, can you take that faith of God? God says, nothing works in my kingdom without faith. Ask him faith. Consistently ask in faith. Lord, I want to increase in wisdom. I want to increase in knowledge. You should be smart and Lord say, I want to increase in wisdom because you cannot increase in wisdom without knowledge and understanding. It's like going to a restaurant and say, can I have sambar? Is it sambar? Order dosa with sambar free. Have you ever gone and bought chutney from a restaurant? No, you order dosa. Chutney, sambar comes free. You order wisdom. Knowledge, understanding comes with it. Be smart. If any man lacks wisdom, ask God. Did you ask? Did you ask? Because we are living in the last days. That wisdom of God is called light. What are the first words uttered by God? Let there be Ajay. Since you are so serious looking at the computer, come up here. Mahesh also come up here. Venkat also come up here. And uh, Tarun also come. Tanish. Tanish ka Tarun. One of the, all three, four come up here. All masked intruders. Okay, don't, you don't put your mask. Okay, stand over there. Okay. We have four heroes. Okay. Now for a minute, suspend, willing suspension of disbelief. You're going to use your imagination. These are not four boys. These are four cars. Mercedes. This is Mercedes. This is Bentley. This is slightly bent. That's why Bentley. <laughs> this is, this is Rolls Royce. This is India Latin Charya car, Nyano. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is that. This is Lano. This is Rolls Royce. This is Bentley. This is Mercedes. Okay. When you look at, wow. Which do you want? I want that. I want that. I want that. And suddenly it is night. Rick discovers headlight not working. Discovers headlight not working discovers headlight not working. His headlight is working. Which do you want? When darkness comes upon the whole earth, arise, my light will shine upon you. Which do you want? What do you want? That is called light. We are living in a dark, dark world, hurtling towards destruction. The only thing that can save you is not fame, it's not riches, it is not the glory the devil gives, it is the light God gives. That's the only thing that will keep you. Thank you, brothers. Children, okay. <laughs> okay.
getting it? Did he get it something? Did he get something? Light. We need light. That's why the first thing God speaks is, let there be, there be light. Let there be light. He was not, he was not creating sun or moon. That all came much later. He said, let there be light. Lord, I need light. In my situation, I need night. I need knowledge. I need understanding. I need wisdom. I need revelation. Put all four together. That is light. You know exactly what to do in your situation. Even if you don't have an answer, you have heard, wait. That's light. What are you supposed to do? Saul of Tarsus, what are you doing in Damascus? Waiting. Why are you waiting here? Because you told me, wait there. You have light. All the others can see, but they are in darkness. He cannot see, but he is in light. That's how the kingdom works. That's how the kingdom works. That is how rest comes. That's how rest comes. Moses asked one prayer, Lord, show me your ways. God says, my presence shall go with you and you shall have. How do you know God's presence is with you? You have rest. He didn't say you will have problem. Won't have rest. He said you will have lots of problems because the rest of the crowd will be restless. They will give you 101 problems for the next 40 years. But you will have rest. Why will you have rest? Because every time there is a situation, Moses, you will have light. The waters are so bitter. Why did you come over? Lord, what do you share? Put a stick in. You have light. Oh, did you bring her to death? Tomorrow morning, tell them manna will come. Oh, he can give bread. We are tired of it. Can we eat meat? Tell them the east will blow and bring in. Every time he had light, therefore he had rest. They ate and they died. God hasn't changed. The God of Moses is your and my God. He's not a respecter of persons. That is why it all begins with the knowledge of God. Grace and peace is multiplied and multiplied. I like multiplication. Better than addition. Multiplied, multiplied with what? As the knowledge of God grows, grace is multiplied, peace is multiplied, grace is multiplied, peace is multiplied. That's what we are in church for. What are we in church for? We are in church for receive the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God and the understanding of God and the revelation of God. That is light. John 1, 4 and 5 and then we go to communion. Some junk is coming on that saying only for singles. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now light has become life. We hear much, we learn much about Joshua from Pastor Vijay. Even yesterday, a fantastic message. If you didn't listen, go back and listen. About Joshua. About Joshua. Okay? Why is Joshua chosen? What was the reason Joshua is chosen? You know why. Joshua, Pastor Vijay will tell you, Joshua was not in the camp. He was not in the mountain. He's always halfway. Why did he follow Moses? Because he saw rest. 
because he saw his life and the life of Moses was the light for Joshua. But the rest of them stayed in darkness. Therefore, they did not comprehend the life of God in Moses. So they said, we want another leader. When this knowledge increases, when this wisdom increases, when this understanding increases, when revelation increases, and when we start actually living out his life by faith, his light is increasing. And when darkness comes, they will see you are not flustered. That's where the Bible has an an incredible description of Paul and Silas stripped, beaten, thrown into prison and legs and feet are still um, in stocks. And the Bible says at the midnight hour, they were praying and they were singing. And the Bible says all the prisoners were listening because the life of Christ had come into the prison and it became the light of men who were living in darkness. That is life. That is life. That is life. And it comes by faith. In the midst of your trouble, yes, your mood, but you revert. Your default setting should be faith and not sight. Your default setting should be faith and not sight. Yes, you immediately react in sight, but immediately you revert back and say, no, I have a promise. I have a promise. And that promise will come to pass through patience and endurance. By faith, it will come to pass. Therefore, I will not be moved. I will not be moved. That's what the Bible says. They quench the flames. They shut the mouth of the lions. You read that in Hebrews 11. You go back and read the account in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel will say, because Daniel believed in his God. God shut the mouth of the lions. You read parallel accounts. Whenever you read a person in Hebrews 11, go to the Bible and read his entire account. And I'm telling you, just before we go to communion, you know what? You will never stop learning if you are seeking God. You will never stop correcting yourself if you are seeking God. My doctrine, doctrine, fundamental doctrines are fixed. But knowledge of events are not fixed. Because even last night, God put me into such a... I'll show you. Matthew 2, verse 7 and 9. I didn't give it to you, just Matthew 2, verse 7 and 9. Doctrines, we are absolutely fixed, okay? Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star had appeared. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. I have read this. A billion times, not billion, exaggeration, hyperbole. A priest about this so many times. But yesterday God said, did you read it closely? I said, huh? When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. So what were they following? GPS or star? Star. Where did they go? Where did the star go? Now turn to the book of Luke. Chapter 2. And verse 39. This is after Mary's purification. Jesus presented in the temple everything, right? And when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. He said, who told you they went to Bethlehem? Did I tell you? 
Did I tell you? Did I tell you they went to Bethlehem? This is after 40 days. None of them had revelation. So they got fooled. All the children in Bethlehem were killed. But the Bible says they went to Nazareth after 40 days. And it's very clear it was in a house and it's a young child. So, I stand corrected, Lord. You will never stop learning. Never stop learning. Okay. Because all the children under two were killed. So it's two years later. But after 40 days, they didn't go to Bethlehem. They went back to Nazareth, where they came from. So we have to rewrite our Christmas story. Like Job, we have to humble ourselves with ashes and say, sorry, I got it wrong because I didn't read closely. I'm just giving you a simple example to know however even our even preachers and pastors go wrong because we don't read closely the Bible. Even I preached last Christmas that six miles to Bethlehem, nobody went. Even if they went, it didn't make any difference. He wasn't there. He was in Nazareth. And before Herod found out, inquired and found out that there was a two-year-old earlier, a child was there, but he's no longer there. And he said, told the father, take the child and run to Egypt. So let's have communion. That's just appetizer. But to keep these things, we need light. Lord, I need light. We need light. We all need light. Let's have. So here is Jesus born, circumcised, 40th day presented in the temple. So Magi is no longer anywhere during that time. Please understand that. You read Matthew 2, Magi come after two years. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone. Solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving seems, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of As we come to the Lord's table this morning, the first Sunday of the second month, we prepare our hearts, our minds, our entire whole being, because it is the Lord's table. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim 
the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you. We come to your table. It's a table instituted by you. There is strength in this table. There is healing in this table. There is a spiritual awakening when we partake of your table. For your word says, if you take it unworthily, many of you are weak. Many of you are weak. Many of you are ill. Many have fallen asleep. But if we take it in the right way, we will be healed. There will be spiritual strength released to us. And above all, there will be an opening. A revelation. A stirring of our spirit that will prepare us each day for the Lord's coming. So Father, I pray that you be bread and the emblems of your body and your blood bring healing and strength and a spiritual awakening for us. Now, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As the worship team stands there, we'll quickly finish the word, at least a part of it. Stay there. Don't move. I want you to turn. Because, you see, we need, we need light. In Hebrews 11 and verse 7, another man that was facing judgment in his time. It says, Noah, being warned of God things not seen. All the things that are warned, that is coming, is not seen. But he was warned of things not seen. And the word of God says, moved with fear, the fear of God, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. In that same process, while he was building the ark, he did two things. One, he saved his household. Second, he condemned the world. He saved those who got in. But he condemned those who stayed outside. And he became an heir of righteousness. And one of the things Jesus talks about the last days, he compares the last days to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Both faced their judgment day. But if you look at Noah, he had light about the judgment. And you look at Lot, he had no light about the judgment. Light. Light. We are living in those days. We are living in those days. And that's why this is, these things are important. These things are important. When you and I were saved, were saved, we received an anointing when we were saved. When you were called into whatever, ministry, business, work, whatever, you didn't realize you have an anointing for that work. Anointing for that work. If you understand, primarily I'm building the house of God in whatever my profession is. I'm building the house of God. But this is what I do in the world. Because in the book of Haggai, God says, you made all this. Do you have anything? They say, no. He says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build my house. 
We need wood to build the house of God. That is the material. And whenever Jesus saw all the crowds, when it was teaching time, he went up a mountain. And the Bible says the disciples went up. They didn't realize they were gathering the wood to build the house of God. We need to go up. Gather that stuff which we need to build this house. So it doesn't matter what your profession is. When you are saved, you received an anointing. And there is an anointing to do the work to which God has called you. Because whatever you do in your work, you should prosper. You should have favor with God, with man. You should prosper. Because if you don't prosper, then you cannot add anything to the kingdom of God. You cannot add anything to the kingdom of God. You should prosper. Not the way the world prospers, the way the kingdom of God prospers. In his ways, you should prosper. But then there is a third anointing. The third anointing is revelation. So that you know what God is doing now. Now. This season. What is he doing now? You could have one and two, but you do not know what is he doing now. David was anointed three times. It's a third anointing. He had all of Israel under him. You and I need to know what he's doing now, this present time. What is he doing now? How do I prepare for today? One and two is good. It is essential. But three. We need three. Quickly. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, just to teach you. Okay? The earth was without form and void. Two things between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. Whatever happened, we don't know the gap theory. But when God starts, the earth is without form. And the earth is void. Void means empty. Two things. One, there is no form. Second, it is empty. In Day one, day one, that is verses three to five. Day one, God said, let there be light. There was light and God saw the light. It was good. God divided the light from the darkness and they, God called the light day and the darkness night. He called night and evening and morning were the first day. What is he doing? He is bringing form because the earth has no form. He's bringing form. You cannot have form unless you have light. You go into the darkness, everything looks the same. But when light comes, there is form. So he's bringing form. If you come to verse 6 and 7, day 2, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament, divide the waters which were under the firmament, above the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. What is he doing? He is creating form. The atmosphere, which is water, and the oceans, which is water, is creating form. Because it had no form, he's creating form. Now we come to verse 9 and 10. This is day 3. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear. Form. Form. But he also did something on the 10th day. He called the dry land, uh, earth and the gathering together of the um, um, waters. He called the seas and God saw that it was good. Okay, so form is coming. Form is coming. Now what does he do? Day 4, verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. Day 1, there was form. Day 4, he's creating is filling the void, form, and emptiness. He's created the form. He's filling the void now with stars and the sun 
and the moon. Why do these things matter? Because it is not enough you and I have form. We need to be filled. Some of us have a form of Christianity, but we are void inside. You see the pattern in which God does things. He creates form, and then he fills the void. He creates form, he fills the void. Go to the next one, that is verse 20 and 21, day 5. 20. Then, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth, across the face of the firmament of the heavens. What is he doing? He's filling the Void. Form has come, but it's filling the void. It's no longer empty. Go to the next one. And verse 24, day 6 for the land. God created earth bring forth living creature according to its kinds, cattle, creeping things, beasts of the earth each. If you look, there was only one slight difference that in day 4 when the land was created, he allowed the plants to grow so that when the beasts come, they have plants to eat. So there is always order in which God does. Form, void. Form, void. Now let's go to Revelation 8 and verse 7. Judgment has begun. God has always used natural things to cause judgment. The first judgment was by water. Next judgment will be stages of fire. The first angel sounded and hail and fire followed mingled with blood and they were thrown into the earth and the third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. The first fire takes off what was first created to fill the void, the trees and the plants. Order is being followed in Genesis 1 and in the book of Revelation, same order is going. What happens? The first angel sound, what came? Hail, fire, Mingled with blood. How is it possible? Nobody in any generation had any clue what was happening except our generation. Because knowledge has come. You go back and study on it. What happens when you have a CME emission from the sun? Last time in 2012, we missed it only by one week. If the earth had been slow by one week, we would all been fried. We missed it by one week. So what happens, they scientific, this is, this is NASA, this is not man, this is not God, but God's word is far ahead of NASA. You know what happens when this, that plasma thing that comes in, that is, comes in, first it takes the atmosphere off. Once the atmosphere off, the temperature of the earth reverts to minus 150. Everything in the atmosphere freezes. Then comes the fire. So you have hail, and fire. And at that point, there might be at least 50,000, one lakh planes and birds. Everything is dice. So you have hail, fire, and blood coming at the same time. And only in our generation, we could have known it because knowledge hadn't come that far. We are living in those days because all around the world, governments secretly are building Bunkers for selected people. There is in Norway or Sweden, there is deep within the mountain, seeds are frozen and kept because they know end is coming. And when end is over, selected people who survive can start all over again. But they don't realize how it's, that's not how it is going to end. They know it's coming. The question is, do we know it's coming? Verses 8 and 9. 
Second angel saw something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. It's same order. If you go on the Genesis order, it is following the same order. All the things in the sea. One third, one third, one third is dying. If you read prophetically, after the first fire is over, one third is died, fire is over. You read the rest of scripture, you will see the Americas are gone. It's no America. It's gone. In America, South and North America consists of one third of the human population. It's gone. Because they are no longer in prophecy. God is dealing with nations after nations. These are real things in the Bible. Because there is order in God's kingdom. What is this? Nobody is very sure. Is this it looks like a mountain that just fell down. Now think about that. Two weeks back, there was a volcanic eruption at Tonga. It was a huge volcano that erupted. The satellite pictures of the volcano going up through the water and the ashes is unbelievable. They said it's more than 100,000 Hiroshima and atom bombs. That is just one of the small ones. So scientists now believe there's one of those super volcanoes under the sea is going to explode. The whole thing is going to come up and it's going to come down and most of the sea animals will be killed. Well, it was written. Don't worry. You discover on the way. Right before our eyes because it happened last week. Check the satellite picture. It's unbelievable. You wouldn't believe this mountain exploded under the sea. It doesn't look like that. The whole thing goes up. It's coming. And 8, 10, and 11, that is day 6. And the third angel sounded. A great star fell from the heaven, burning like a torch, fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. This is on land. What happens? And the name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water. So it is coming. Why is all these things important? Because those who have ears, let them hear. The signs are before us. They are preparing walls, bunkers to escape. We prepare for rapture to go before it happens. The prepared church goes before any of these things happen. Because nobody will survive this. Nobody will survive this. Nobody is going to survive this. Very little will come out of it. And then Jesus comes. So understand these things are real. How far ahead... The word of God is. Of science is discovering stuff. Which is written in the word of God. And this is how it will happen. It will happen. So you don't have to worry about the fire from coming from heaven. You have to worry about the fire that is not in your heart. Because fire puts out fire. That is why we need to ask Lord. And Jesus said, you know what? The generation that will survive. He said very clearly. The one who comes after me, he shall baptize you. With the Holy Spirit and fire. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And say, Lord, I want that. I want consistency in my life. Not on and off, or like an ECG. I want consistency. I want to be on fire for you all the time. I want that zeal for you, Lord. I want to be consistent in my walk. I want that key, Lord. I want the fear of God. Give me the fear of God. Open up, Lord, the things that are hidden in your body, in your word. It is hidden, but it will be revealed. It's the glory of God to hide a thing. But it's the honor of kings 
to find it. And we look through this and we say, wow, it's all there. If nobody is interested, you be interested. And you're not scared, you're not afraid. You're not afraid. And that last thing, after everything, like wonderful Timothy, young Timothy, he's got true faith, true everything, passed down everything, but fearful man. And one thing I see in the Christians of this generation, they are very fearful. Very fearful. They don't have the fear of God, but they are very fearful. Therefore, they do nothing. They never take risks. Very fearful. You cannot. God did not give it, therefore don't take it. The fearful will go nowhere. Yes, we all began fearfully. But you cannot end there. You have to end up like Gideon. Fearless. Man was so fearful, was hiding in a wine press, says the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Come follow me. Just 300 men armed with nothing. Fearless. So these pictures are put over there. There are fearful people in the church. It's a, it's a real, real thing. That's why God has to tell Joshua over and over again, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Because yes, the nations ahead of you are stronger and there are giants. But don't be afraid. If you are afraid, you possess nothing. If Joshua had been afraid, they would have possessed nothing God had for them. God says, take it. I have given it to you. But if they had been afraid, they would have taken nothing. The same thing is true. God has given us everything. But because of fear, people don't possess. Don't be afraid. Shall we stand up this morning? Don't be afraid. People in the world take risks. Faith is not a risk. Faith is not a risk. Faith is pakka. Because it's God, the voice, the word, the seal of God behind it. God of integrity. God of all power. And the God who loves us with an everlasting love. It is a great gain. It's a great gain. So this morning, let's pray. Father, this morning I come to you. Come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We commit ourselves as a church, all those who are watching online as a church. Oh Lord, that you would bless us. We want true blessings, not the duplicate ones. First, Lord, and foremost, we need the fear of God. Truly, Lord, I need, we all need, Lord, the fear. Not only we need it, Lord, teach us to delight in it. Delight in the Lord. The word of God says, delight in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now we realize to delight in you is to delight in the fear of God. And he will give us all that we require in this life. It's already given. His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him. Who called us by virtue and glory. But without that key, knowledge won't be opened up. We have, we have doctorates and all kind of degrees from the world. But Lord, we are poor, beggarly in the knowledge of God. The only thing that matters. We know everything about creation. We know very little about the creator. The knowledge of creation is not going to save any man. It's the knowledge of the creator. And the word of God says in the last days there will be a generation. They shall know their God and do great exploits, O Lord. And I pray and I believe that's a generation that is standing. This generation. 
The world has written them off. They call them addicts, drug addicts, alcohol addicts, porn addicts, gadget addicts. But you have not written anybody off. They are fearful. But you call those ones, those who are foolish, those who are ignoble, those who have no might or power, those ones you call. And I pray you make them rich in faith. Because through faith, they will overcome the world. Through faith, they will shut the mouth of the lions. Through faith, they will rot righteousness. Through faith, they will subdue kingdoms. Through faith, through faith, through faith, Lord. And I pray, Father, even now as I pray, there will be an impartation of faith over them, Lord. An impartation of faith. For faith comes from hearing. They have heard, Lord. They have heard today. Now, Father, I pray faith will arise. Somebody will go home today and say, Lord, I'm throwing away all my junk. I don't need that. If I'm a student, I study. And I study your word. Your word. I will be a student both of my course and the word of God. I am putting away all those things that steal time and kill Kill desire for God in me. I'm throwing it all away. I pray somebody today, Lord, will make that decision. For today would be the day they would say one day, my life changed on February 6, 2022. Because I chose. I said before you life and death, God says choose. And that person will be able to say, I chose life. I chose to serve God. I chose to serve Yahweh. I chose. I chose. I chose, oh Father. I pray, Lord, not desire. Go beyond that. Let somebody make a decision today, Lord. A decision from their heart, oh Lord. And you will honor it, Lord. You will honor it. For Daniel made a decision in his heart not to defile himself with from the things on the king's table. And you honored him for all the days of his life for one decision he made. And he followed it up, O oh Lord. And I pray today, somebody will make a decision, Lord. Somebody. And will follow it through. Even if they are mocked. Even if they are scorned by their friends around. Even if they are avoided from today. They lose their friends, O oh Father. It does not matter, Lord. Because the word of God says, oh Lord, the one who keeps the company of fools is the fool, Lord. We kept company with the world too long and you called us a fool. But he who keeps the company of the wise shall be wise, oh Lord. We don't even have to be wise. All we have to do is to keep the company of the wise. We will become wise, oh Lord. Lord prospered, not because of anything, because he chose to keep the company of Abraham, oh Lord. That's what the word of God says. The company we choose will decide our destiny, Lord. We will choose the company of the righteous. We'll choose the company of the wise. We'll choose the company of the anointed of Father. And that company will determine our destiny, O oh Lord. And I pray young people, O oh Lord, the young ones standing over here will flee those things of the youth and pursue righteousness and love and peace with those who pursue it, O oh Lord. Let them make that difficult decision and say, yes, I make a decision. For Christ, I am willing to lose anything and anybody. And I know in eternity, it will not be loss. It will be gain and gain alone, oh Father. Oh Father, touch. Touch. Touch everyone listening online. Touch everyone listening here, Lord. Let there be an impartation, Lord. Let them gird the loins of their mind, oh Lord.
gird. Like Israel did on that night. They girded their loins, ate the Passover in haste, and they packed up and they left and they never went back. And I pray somebody today will gird up the loins of their mind, pack up and leave the land of darkness. The land of passing pleasures. The land of destruction. The land that is destined for fire. And move into the land of promises. Somebody, Lord, I pray. Somebody, receive it. Somebody, receive it. And surrender their life. And you will honor them. Thank you, thank you, Father. As we go into the rest of the month. I speak victory into this month. We call, as you taught Adam, he brought the animals to Adam and he named them. There are days ahead. We name it victory. We name it peace. We name it joy. We name it righteousness. We name it everything that God has for us. We name it, Lord. Because you did it when you walked on the earth. Even as you walked, you said, on the third day I shall rise. You had already declared before that day came. And even before the days come, we declare it's a month of victory. It's a month of triumph over sin. It's a month of triumph over the world. It's a month of triumph over the enemy. We name it, O Lord. And you will empower us to walk in it, O Father. Thank you, thank you, Father. For with you, it is always upward. It's never down. It's never down. The thief takes us down. God takes us up. Even when he took Jesus into the wilderness, he went up. But when the man went from Jerusalem to Jericho, he went down. And he was waylaid by the thieves. We will not go down. We will go up with you, Lord. Lend us strength. Let the wind be behind us. Like give us speed. Help us to recover time. And restore us. Your promise stands. And we stand on your promise. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Keep your people. Go before your people. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen. Amen.